let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. On July 24th, 27, a house caught fire in Los Angeles, California, USA. The fire service was called, and when Captain Cheyenne Caldwell arrived, it was apparent that the fire had quickly gotten out of control. So Captain Caldwell climbed up onto the roof of the house to assess where the hotspot was. But suddenly, without warning, as he stood on the roof assessing the damage, the roof collapsed. Captain Cheyenne Caldwell fell into the burning inferno and a plume of flames erupted out of the hole that he'd fallen into. He was there in the middle of the fire. The fire was so intense. The heat was so strong. He knew immediately he was going to die. All the other firefighters thought he has died. The wood was burning. But Cheyenne Caldwell is a Christian, and he called upon the name of his God who answers our prayers. And even though the wood was burning, Captain Cheyenne Caldwell was not burnt. Even though the metal was melting, Captain Cheyenne Caldwell was kept safe for seven minutes inside an inferno of blazing flames. Captain Cheyenne Caldwell called on the name of his God and miraculously he was rescued and lifted out of the burning fire by the power of God. Since his miraculous rescue, he has shared his testimony of God's great power with hundreds of thousands of people. He says, there's no reason I should have survived, but I give all glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for what he did on that day. There is no luck involved. There is no coincidence involved. It's providence. It was God hard at work fulfilling his mission. And there's a powerful lesson for all of us in the amazing true testimony of Captain Cheyenne Caldwell. For you see, the fact is, uh, there is a fire burning. It cannot be controlled. It cannot be contained. It is the very power and presence of God. And the Bible says the day is coming when that very fire is coming to our earth. It will consume everything we see and everything we touch and everything we taste and everything we experience. Uh, but for those who are the people of God, for the children of God. We will be in the midst of the fire, but we will not be touched. We will be in the midst of the fire, but we will not be harmed. The fire of God is so bright and so hot. Everything that can be destroyed will be destroyed, but we will stand. For the destiny of God for your life is that you live in the presence of supernatural fire so that you can testify of his power and of his glory. That's the message in our sermon tonight, a sermon entitled, Let the Fire Fall. But before we go on, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting God of fire, we ask you to come and consume tonight everything in our lives that is not from you. Bring us to the place of blazing fire where your presence comes and we are kept in the midst of your mighty power to give you glory and honor. We submit to you tonight. We bind every voice of the devil. I command you, Satan and demon powers, to go in the name of Jesus. I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to come and 
impart to us tonight, to ablaze us with your fire and change us as we change the world. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. I invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine tonight. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, somebody shout, let the fire fall. You see, God wants to pour out a new baptism of the Holy Ghost in your life. He wants to move in miracle power. He wants to descend his flame upon you, not just on your head, but to consume your whole life. For the Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 2 that on the day of Pentecost, there came the sound like a rushing mighty wind, and the disciples were gathered in expectation. Their hearts were on fire. Their spirits were willing and suddenly the Holy Ghost came and filled Peter, James, John, married the mother of Jesus and all the disciples. And the Bible says a flame, like what appeared to be a flame, sat on their head. And in that day, the church of Jesus Christ was born. In that upper room, history was made as God filled his people with the Holy Ghost and fire. The world has never been the same, and it will never be the same because of what happened on the day of Pentecost. But here's the good news for all of us. Pentecost is not just a historical event. Pentecost is not just a one-time outpouring. The Bible makes it clear that God wants each and every one of us to to experience that same baptism, that same power, that same fire, that same explosion, that same revival in our lives. If you believe it, say amen. And for those who are still seeking him, we will experience the fire of God in our lives. For it has always, it has always been God's plan to fill his people with the Holy Spirit. That's what our scripture text for tonight tells us. You can find your scripture text on the top of your sermon notes. They look like this. Go ahead and take out your notes and follow along with me as we discover some truths about the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm reading from Matthew 3, 11 to 12, the words of John the Baptist prophesying about Jesus. Now receive the word of the Lord. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is great than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. Hey, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Somebody say fire. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Think carefully about what is happening here. This is John the Baptist. The Bible says he is the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. Here's John the Baptist introducing Jesus the Baptist. 
John was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, but he's introducing Jesus, the Son of God, in the New Testament. See, John was sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus. And we know his testimony was true because in Matthew 11, 11, Jesus said of him, I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. He was a great man with a great mission with a great word who prophesied about someone greater. Somebody say greater. John prophesies about Jesus. He tells us what Jesus is coming to do. And this is what he says. Jesus is coming to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. For you see, John's baptism was earthly, but Jesus' baptism is heavenly. John's baptism was ordinary, but Jesus' baptism is extraordinary. John's baptism was unto repentance, but Jesus' baptism is unto power. John's baptism was by water, but Jesus' baptism is by the Holy Spirit. John's baptism was natural, but Jesus' baptism is supernatural. And when we experience the supernatural baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, it will change us and change the world. So tonight, let me give you three signs of the Holy Spirit and fire. And here's your first sign tonight. Fire marks those marked by God. Everybody say marked by God. Listen to what John says in Matthew 3.11. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Holy Spirit is the mark of God upon every child of God. Fire is the mark of the Holy Spirit. So if you are marked by God, you must be marked with fire. That's why Ephesians 1.13 says, When you heard that good news, you believed in Christ. And in Christ, God put his special mark on you by giving you the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit that he promised. So the Bible says the mark God has placed upon you is the mark of the Holy Spirit. Some people talk about the mark of the beast, 666, but I'm here to talk to you about the mark of God. It's the mark of the Holy Spirit. It's on every child, every son, every daughter of God. Just say, I'm marked. I'm marked by God. And the mark of God is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is fire. So it is impossible to belong to God and not have fire. You cannot be born again without the Holy Spirit. You don't become born again because you act holy. You don't become born again because you cross yourself and chant Holy Mary, Holy Mary, Holy Mary. You don't become born again because you join a church or you pay your tithe or you get prayed over by Prophet David Roth or you light a candle or give a seed offering. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. If you believe it, say Amen. Being born again is God's work. That's why the Bible says in John 3, 5 to 6, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water, that's natural birth, and the spirit, that's supernatural birth. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So the Holy Spirit is the one inside of you, and when he comes in you, he marks you. And what does he mark you with? He marks you with fire, God's fire. God's plan for your life is that you will be marked by fire. When you come around, people say, I see fire. When people come around you, they say, I smell fire. I hear fire. That's why the only, the only, the only, tell your neighbor, the only, the only thing hey, that John the Baptist prophesied about Jesus, there was only one thing 
He's coming to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Now, this is, I'm in shock. I'm in shock. Here is the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. The greatest prophet. He could have prophesied so many things. After all, didn't Jesus heal the sick? He did. He healed every disease. But John the Baptist doesn't prophesy about the healing. He could have prophesied that Jesus would do many miracles and cast out devils, but he didn't mention that. He didn't prophesy that Jesus would die on the cross. He didn't prophesy that Jesus would rise from the dead. There was one thing and one thing only John prophesied about. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hey. Now, why didn't John prophesy about the cross? Why didn't John prophesy about the resurrection? After all, the cross and the resurrection are the greatest events in history. But John is looking beyond them to God's goal and purpose. John is looking beyond the event to see what God is aiming for. And the cross, as great it was, was not God's goal. It was the means to a goal. And the resurrection, as great as it was, was not the end goal of God. It was a means to the goal. And God's goal in the cross, and God's goal in the resurrection, and God's goal in the healing, and the miracles, and the casting, and everything that Jesus did, God's end goal was for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. That's what God wants. The purpose of everything Jesus did was to fill us with the Holy Ghost and fire. Somebody shout fire. And John takes us to the old ultimate goal. He's coming with the goal, one thing alone, one thing in mind, that he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, that he will put his mark upon you, that his presence will come inside of you, that he will change you and make you like him. For Romans 8, 29, the Bible says, for from the very beginning, before time began, God decided that those who come to him should become like his son. And I'm here to declare to you tonight, no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter what you did or didn't do, God has a goal for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a mission for you. He has a destiny for you. He wants to make you like Jesus. And the only way you can become like Jesus is to get the Holy Spirit and fire inside of you. Somebody say fire. fire. Because fire always marks the presence of God. It is impossible to be like Jesus and not have fire. Listen to what the Bible says about fire. In Deuteronomy 4.36, on earth, God showed you his great fire. Somebody say fire. And you heard his words from out of the fire. God speaks to us from the fire. Like Moses at the burning bush, the bush was on fire, but it didn't burn. And God's voice came and gave Moses his destiny. We get revelation through fire. But not only that, we get the presence of God. For Isaiah 66, 15, the Bible says, the Lord is coming with fire. His presence comes with fire. So God speaks to you out of the fire. God's presence comes to you out of the fire. For the truth is God himself is fire. 
because Hebrews 12, 29 says, our God is a consuming fire. He speaks from the fire. He comes in the fire. He is the fire. And since God is fire, everything that belongs to him must be marked by fire. It is impossible to be close to God and not have fire. It is impossible to hear from God and you don't have Everything God touches is touched with fire. That's why Psalm 104.4 says, who makes his ministers a flame of fire. So let me ask you a question tonight. Is God's fire in you? Is God's fire visible in you? When people come around you, do they see fire? Do they hear God in the fire? Do they feel his presence in the fire? See, the fire of God is not your personality type. Some of you say, well, I, I'm just a shy I'm an introvert. It doesn't matter if you are introvert or extrovert. It doesn't matter if you're like Reverend Whitcomb or Reverend Mrs. Whitcomb. It doesn't matter your personality. The fire of God is not a personality. It's not a way of expressing yourself. It is a supernatural reflection of God. And no matter who you are, that is God's plan for you. That's why Jesus died for you. That's why he rose again. God wants to come with fire. And that brings us to our second truth tonight. Fire cleanses those consecrated to God. Listen again to John the Baptist in Matthew 3.12. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat. Then he will clean up the threshing area. Turn your note over to page two and understand exactly what John is telling us. But you see, the Bible makes us know that when David bought the land where they would build the temple, before they built the temple, that land was a threshing floor. That's where they brought the wheat and threshed it. So when when John says he will clean up the threshing floor, people in that day understood he was talking about the temple. And today the Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So here's what John's saying. Jesus is coming to clean up his temple. He's coming to clean up his people. He's coming to clean us up. And we need to be separated the wheat from the chaff. It's something we don't talk about. But there is a day coming when God said I'm going to come and separate Separate the wheat from the chaff, the true from the false, the fake prophets from the genuine prophets. I'm going to clean up my threshing floor. That's why 1 Peter 4.17 says it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And mark my words, there is a day coming when the Holy Ghost fire will come upon the church and separate the wheat from the chaff, the true from the false, the true from the evildoers in the house of God. Fire will flow in the church and those who love God will get brighter and brighter. And those who are fake purveyors of religion will go away in the name of Jesus. And this is where many of us are making a mistake today. We think the sign of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. We think the sign of the Holy Ghost is miracles. You go to many churches, when they come to the altar, they start to spin, 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 spin. They say, that's the Holy Ghost moving. Hey, I love speaking in tongues. 
I speak in tongues every day. I love to speak in tongues. I love to see the Holy Ghost move in miracle power. I love prophecy. I love it when God comes and the vibrant electricity of the Holy Ghost touches people. I'm not against all of that, but you can do all of that and burn in hell. Because the sign of the Holy Spirit in your life is not speaking in tongues, it's not spinning, it's not anything. It's living a holy life. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. It is impossible to be filled with the Holy Spirit and live an unholy life. Don't you know the Holy Spirit has a name? His surname is Spirit, and his first name is? How dare you say I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, and you're living an unholy life. For Romans 1.4 says the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of holiness. God is holy, and when his Spirit comes in fire inside of us, he makes us holy. That's why 1 Thessalonians 4.7 says God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. And when you have the power of the Holy Spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have the power to overcome sin. He will help you overcome temptation by the power of God. For Romans 8 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. See, friend, you don't need to get down on the wrestling match and begin to wrestle with sin. Some of you guys, that's your problem. You're wrestling with sin, wrestling with you. can't wrestle with sin and win. Yeah. You will lose, especially you in the third row. I see you. When you get into a fight with sin, you got to turn to a stronger power. A higher power. When lust comes knocking on your door, just say, excuse me a minute. Hey, Jesus, Holy Ghost, yeah, handle it. See, I learned something when I lived in Nigeria. You know, I used to be in Nigeria, 11 and a half years, Delta State, Nigeria, me and my wife, yeah. Our first child was born in Nigeria. We have two Nigerian children, two Ghanaian children, two American children. We're United Nations. United Nations. I said we should keep going and get Asia, but my wife said, no, she's finished. But when we first lived in Nigeria, we lived in a town called Sapele. And we lived in a place called Madam Ukweku Villa. We learned later that the Ukweku meant lizard. So we lived in Madam Lizard Villa. And the place we lived, the kitchen was very small. My wife and I, we, we couldn't be in the kitchen at the same time or we start romancing because you're just, you know, I mean, it's like no room. And every Sunday, every Saturday, my wife will cook Sunday stew. And she will leave it in the pot on the cooker. Then we go to church Sunday morning. We come back, she'll heat the fire, cook the, uh, heat the Sunday stew. We eat it and everything was good. But there was one problem. After we finished eating the Sunday stew, I'll go in that little kitchen, and the place was always filled with flies. If you have never been to Nigeria, let me tell you, Nigerian flies are like birds. <laughs> you know, they are the giant of Africa, so everything's bigger in Nigeria. 
and there would be flies. Fly on the stove, fly on the counter. I hate flies. I don't like flies. So I start, hey, yeah, you fly, go, 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 go. And I will wave my hand, tired, and they will come back. I will get raid, I'll spray, then the breeze will blow, the breeze will blow the raid outside, and the flies came back. If I manage to kill one, 10 of his brothers will come from the village. Nobody's here. I was so frustrated. Then I discovered something. If I wanted to get rid of the flies, I simply had to light the cooker and let the fire burn. Because you see, when I lit the cooker and the fire start to burn, the little flies are all on the cooker eating the Sunday stew. But when the cooker began to get hot, the little legs began to dance. And when the cooker was getting hotter and hotter, then they started singing and they started flying. And no matter how they wanted that Sunday stew, when the fire was burning, the flies could not land. And I'm here to tell you tonight that you can overcome every sin. Just let the fire burn. 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 Hallelujah. Because if your life is so full of God, if your life is hot, somebody say hot. If your life is hot in the Holy Ghost, the devil can't stand it. He will fly away. And evil cannot stand it. He will fly away. And sin will start dancing and fly away. Somebody shout hallelujah. Many Christians are battling sin. We try to stamp it out. We try to spray it out. We try to sanitize it. But all you need is the fire of God. For the Bible says in Galatians 5, so I tell you, live by following the Spirit. Then you will not do what your sinful selves want. Our sinful selves want what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit wants what is against our sinful selves. The two are against each other, so you cannot do just what you please. But if the Spirit is leading you, you are not under the law. The Bible says if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I challenge you today to get on your knees and pray for the Holy Ghost to burn in you. I challenge you today, from tonight, you start seeking God, start fasting, start praying, start putting aside every other thing and get serious with God. The more you pray, the more God is coming into your life. The Holy Ghost fire will burn in you. There ain't no demon in hell, whether northern demon or a cry demon. They can't stand on the place where the fire of God is burning. Whether American demon or Chinese demon, they can't stand where the Holy Ghost is burning. For Galatians 5 teaches us those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their own sinful selves. They have given up their old selfish feelings and the evil things they wanted to do. We get our new life from the Spirit, so we should follow the Spirit. I'm not preaching today so you'll like me. I'm not preaching today so you'll clap for me. I'm preaching so you get on your face and get on your knees and let the fire fall. I'm preaching today so you get a new Pentecost. I'm preaching today that you get hungry for God. I don't care if you clap for me. I don't care if you jump and shout, but I'm preaching so that Jesus will get the reward he died for. Because John the Baptist said he came to fill you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Somebody shout fire. That's what God wants to do in you today. Get on your knees and pray until he comes. Somebody say fire. Fire. 
I'm preaching to somebody tonight. I'm preaching to the Holy Ghost fire. Let me preach to the preachers tonight. You know, we've gone so carnal and sinful in our churches today. We're using worldly marketing to try to bring people to Christ. We think, well, we got to do our Facebook like this. We got to boost our Twitter like this. If we're on Instagram with the right picture and the right slogan and I'm wearing the right dress, then we're going to get more people. I tell you, that's garbage. I rebuke that. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. And I say, what we need is Holy Ghost fire because you can't manipulate fire. You can't market fire. You can't pretend with fire. You can't do anything but burn when you got the fire of God inside of you. You can market your image and get a lot of views on YouTube. You can maximize your advertisement and get a lot of people in your pew. But is your ministry marked by the Holy Ghost and fire? Are people in your ministry marked by the Holy Ghost and fire? Because everything else is wood, hay, and stubble. And God is calling us tonight to return to Pentecostal fire that doesn't just come from the pulpit, but comes in the pews. God is calling us to raise up an army of people. Everyone is filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Everyone is burning like a bright light. My goal at Agape House is not for me to increase, but for me to decrease and let the Holy Ghost fire increase in the lives of my people. I want my people to pray. I want my people to heal. I want my people to prophesy. I want my people to go from house to house doing miracles, signs, and wonders and casting out the devil. Somebody shout, fire! Because God has come to give us fire. It's a new day dawning, a day when Jesus Christ is coming again. And the celebrity pastors are finished. The celebrity prophets and their multi-million dollar buildings are not the way that God is going to move. It's nothing wrong with that. And I pray that God gives all of us multi-million dollar buildings and makes us look like celebrity pastors. But we need fire. We need an army. We need people. We need people. People filled with fire. We don't need more scheming and strategizing. We need more seeking and soaking. We don't need more boasting and branding. We need more bombarding heaven. We don't need more marketing and manipulation. We need more men and women making God their sole priority. We need men and women who don't care about their reputation. Men and women who are not fighting for position. Men and women who've humbled themselves and died to selves, who are marked by one thing and one thing only, fire. May God give us a new Pentecost. May God give us a new fire. May God come and burn so bright in us. No demon in hell can get near us. May God come and overwhelm us. Let the fire fall. For you see, when fire comes, the third truth is it empowers those who exalt God. This is what John the Baptist said when he finished. Listen to his words in verse 12. He will gather the wheat into his barn. See, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, he cleanses you. He separates the chaff from the wheat, and then he gathers new wheat. He uses you to go and exalt his holy name. He comes upon a people so that we can be people of fire. That's what we learn from 
prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18. The Bible tells us in those days, uh, the nation of Israel was backslidden. The prophets of Baal were leading God's holy people. They were using occult and juju going to the shrine to try to lead God's people. And the people were following the prophets of Baal. They would rather have a miracle than the miracle maker, God himself. But God began to move on prophet Elijah. He got filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. And he knew that the only thing that could save the nation was the fire of God. So he called all the people together and he brought them to Mount Carmel to challenge the people about their sin. And he said, come, all the people come and bring the prophets of Baal. We're going to have a contest. We're going to have a contest between me, the true prophet of God, and the prophets of Baal. So this is what he did. He told them to build an altar and he said, I will build an altar. He told them to sacrifice an ox and he would sacrifice an ox. He told them to put wood on the altar and he would put wood on his altar. And then he gave them the challenge. Neither they nor he could bring any candle, any torch, any light, any flame. Nobody could bring any flame on the mountain. They could only call on God. And this is what he said in 1 Kings 18.24. The God who answers by fire, he is God. So here's a test between true religion and false religion. Here's a test between the true worshiper of Jehovah and the false prophets who will answer by fire. Elijah told the prophets of Baal, you go first. So they built their altar. Very beautiful. They got a, a quantity surveyor. They got an architect. They took up love offering. They built the altar. Beautiful. They put wood, plenty wood. They killed a big fat ox. And then they stood around and started dancing. Fire. Fire, 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 fire. Fire. Fire, 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 fire. Ah, nothing happened. They started cutting themselves with machete till the blood was flowing. And they were singing, fire, 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 fire. Ocha. Ocha, 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 ocha. Nothing happened. They started shouting, oh, Baal, bring us fire. Fire, 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 fire. Nothing happened. Then Elijah began to mock them. Eh, maybe your God has gone to the gents. Maybe he went on annual leave. Maybe he's hard of hearing. You should shout louder. So they were screaming, fire, 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 fire. Nothing happened. Then Elijah said, enough. He built his altar. He brought his wood. He brought his ox. Then he did something odd. He dug a ditch around the altar. He said, bring water. Pour water on the ox. Pour water on the wood. Pour water on the trench. The people say, are you mad? Hey, you've been drinking, Ogogoro, you're mad. Don't you know water will quench fire? He said, in the natural, water will quench fire. But I serve a God. I serve a God who cannot be quenched. They doused the ox with water. They doused the altar with water. It was flowing in the trenches. Then Elijah lifted up his voice and said, O oh God, let the fire fall. And suddenly the heavens opened. 
And a spark came from the fire under the altar of God. It came like lightning from the heavens. It struck the ox. It struck the wood. It struck the altar. And fire began to burn. Fire burnt up the ox. Fire burnt up the wood. Fire burnt up the altar. Fire burnt up the water. Everybody shout, fire! And when the fire of God fell, listen to what the people of Israel said in verse 39. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And I'm here to tell you today that if the people of God would get like that altar and get like that ox, if the fire of God will fall in your life, people around you will shout, the Lord, he is God. 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 Because when God's people are filled with fire, the world will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. If the church would get on fire today, the people around us would be safe. If the church would get filled with fire, the people would know that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. For the Bible said in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 that the Holy Ghost came down in verse in Acts 4.31. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. And I'm here to challenge you tonight that God marks you with the power of God. He marks marks you to cleanse you and he marks you to empower you and God's not done with you yet he wants to clean up your life he wants to drive out the sin and he wants to anoint you and fill you and empower you and enable you and gift you and give you the power to go and win the world for Jesus Christ because every single one in this house tonight has a gift from God every single one of you has a call from God for 1 Corinthians 12 says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same spirit is the source of them all. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. He's given to each of us so we can help each other. And I'm here to declare to you tonight, God has given you a gift. God has a purpose for you. God has a destiny for you. He wants to mark you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to change you and cleanse you when you consecrate yourself to him. And he wants to empower you that you will exalt his name, that you will win the world, that you will set your community, your workplace, your campus on fire, and the people will shout, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Somebody shout, Jesus is Lord. So I say to you tonight, let the fire fall. Get rid of the sin. Consecrate yourself. Start seeking God like never before. Get in his presence. Hunger for him and let the fire fall. Stop your arguing. Stop your competing. Stop your quarreling and let the fire fall. Stop chasing money and let the fire fall. Stop chasing women and let the fire fall. Stop letting the world go to hell and let the fire God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m. 
9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.